Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. About We're going to continue on this, talking about preparing for life, and then probably next week we'll go on to another, another subject. But... There's a lot of preparation that goes into life and everything that we do. We're always preparing for something. Life is uh, very, very busy. You look at, if we were all to lay our calendars out here and you know all of the dates and things that we've got going on in our lives, we would probably say we are so busy, we don't know uh, how we're going to get all this done. I will say that you should never be too busy to pray. Preparing for life, you should never be too busy to pray. You should never be too busy to go to church. You should never be too busy to worship God. You should never be too busy to be in His presence, to seek Him. That should be the first and uh, the most, most priority in our lives. The Word of God. If, we, if, we're not, if we're too busy to read the Word of God, then we need to cut some things out. I'm just, I'm just saying it here tonight because that's the truth. We need God. We need prayer. We need the Word of God. And I'm hearing testimonies, great testimonies about what God is doing, speaking to people's hearts through the Word, speaking through preaching, teaching, and speaking to people during their private time of prayer and reading the Word. That is so very important. We need preaching, we need teaching, but we need a private time with God. So, so very important. And before we get totally into our lesson here tonight, and there are some uh, things that I want to ask the congregation here uh, concerning Scripture, and we'll get to that here in a little bit later, but uh, I feel... In my spirit, that I need to revisit a thought again, just briefly here before I go into the lesson. I feel in my spirit that there is there is something we need to rethink. Maybe not rethink; that might not be the proper thing. But let me put it this way: that we need to think again about it, not rethink it, but to think again about it. Unless, unless we need to rethink it because maybe we're not following it or doing it, but I know I've dealt with the thought before, but in this thought is um, the world view of sin is that sin is okay. There's nothing wrong with sin. I mean, there's things that as I grew up in my growing up years, and I know I grew up in the 60s, and it was quite a crazy time in the 60s, and, but I know in my growing up years, some things that are being accepted today would totally have been rejected, even in the 60s, in the crazy uh, kaleidoscope drug era of the 60s. Uh, I mean, it was a crazy time in the 60s. I was pretty young, but I remember a lot of things that happened in the 60s. 
But the world's view of sin is sin is okay. And matter of fact, they're pushing God out of people's thinking. And their, think, their, their thoughts are, you know, if it feels good, do it. Now, that was a saying back in the 60s and 70s. If it feels good, do it. That was such a detrimental thing to people's lives and even young teenagers growing up. But the world's view is sin is okay. And I would say that sometimes people that claim, there's a lot of people that claim to be Christian. And there's a lot of people that claim to be Christians say that God's okay with certain lifestyles, even if it's totally wrong with the Word of God. Some people say it's God's okay with that. I'm telling you God's not okay with it. If it is against the Word of God and His commandments, He's not okay with that. I want you to, if we've got to rethink that, that's okay, but I want us to go back to that thought. <laughs> thought is, and I've, I've taught on it, preached on it, but I just feel this in my spirit that if you are dealing with sin in your life, don't just live with it. Fight it. You know, if you've if you got a sickness in your body, I know what you do. You're going to, say if you have a, pounding migraine headache do you just live with it no <laughs> you fight it you might pray about it as God if you don't find healing there uh, if God doesn't heal you then uh, within a half a second you're going to the pill bottles getting something to help because you don't just live with it you fight it you fight you fight with it you don't just if you uh, have a broken leg, do you just live with it? No. You do something about it. Sin is a cancer. It is a cancer that is eating away at people's lives. It's eating away at our world. It's been eating away at our world for a long time. And the church doesn't need to fall into that that whirlwind of sin is okay. S-I-N. Still going to send you to hell. It's sin. So, if you're dealing with sin in your life, don't just live with it. Fight to overcome it. Fight to overcome it. Don't just take it in and say, it's okay. It's God will be, you know, a lot of times people say, well, God's going to be okay with it. He loves me. Well, of course he loves you. Hate sin. And since he loves you, he doesn't want sin in your life. So it's important for us to fight against sin. Don't make excuses for sin. So many excuses. We could write encyclopedias of, uh, encyclopedia books of excuses for sin. Sin is sin. It's going to take people to hell. It's still the word of God. Amen. Are you with me? Don't say God will be okay with it. No, the Bible says that no sin shall enter into heaven. No sin is going to enter into heaven. 
That means it's not going to go with us into heaven. We've got to deal with it. We've got to put it under the blood. The book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, those are the ones that are going to make it to heaven. Now, when I talk about he that doeth the will of my Father, what is the will of the Father? It's the Word of God. It's the commandments of the Word of God. So if you've got question what sin is, go to the Word of God, and the Lord gives us a clear understanding of what sin is and what he doesn't want in our lives because it's eating away at people's souls, and, it's, and, and a lot of times people say, well, I can do this, and I can still go and live for God, but it doesn't work. One's going to win out, and usually it ends up being the flesh. If you're weak in God, it's going to usually end up being the flesh. I'm talking about, and you could apply this also to our preparing for life, because preparing for life, we've got to be prepared for our life to be fruitful in God, and that is to do away with sin. That's what's eroding our country, our world got to go to God and get rid of the sin and fight against it. So there are things that you must do with sin. First of all, you've got to repent. Repent means ask God to forgive you. But it doesn't just mean, God, forgive me, and let me continue on with this. All of us, all of us need to let repentance be a part of our life. Repentance needs to be a part of our life. Living for God, walking with God. But, you know, there's a lot of things we include in, you know, we, we pray, we read the word, but we need to let repentance be a part of our life. Everyday life. If you have to repent every day, so be it. Better to be prepared. The Lord could come at any time. So things you must do with sin is you must repent. Let repentance be a part of your life. And then repentance, as I mentioned, is not just asking God to forgive us, but it's also turning around turning away from it, turning away from the sin, and fight against it. And also in that turning, we must turn to God. Turn toward God. Sin is something that we need to deal with. And if we're dealing with it and in, in, in there's a battle that's going on and uh, you just got to the point where you're just living with it, do not live with it. It's going to send you not to heaven, but to hell. That's the fact of the matter of the Word of God. I felt that in my spirit tonight. I don't know why. I'm sure that there's a reason. But I feel like that we needed to revisit that. So, life. Life. You know, we prepare a lot of things in life. We... we we put a lot of things in order. I know if we're going on a vacation, we, we, we put a lot of things in order to make the trip. I remember when I was growing up, um, my parents, uh, of course, 
we'd take trips, we'd go camping. We had a, a matter of fact, my dad still got it. It's a 1966 Chevrolet Impala, super sport. It's got the chrome four-speed, and, and it's got a console, and it goes up, and it connects with the gauges. My dad's still got that car sitting in the garage. Nobody's talked him out of it yet. People have worked on it. But I remember before we would go on a camping trip, my dad had bought this uh, big tent, rolled it up, put it in. I mean, that, the trunk on that car would have probably housed about two families in the back of that trunk of that car. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen those cars. I mean, it was a big old long um, trunk. And uh, we would pack that car full of all kinds of things. The trunk would be full. I remember my dad had his tent and he had his, uh, he had his Coleman lantern and he had his Coleman stove and he had his uh, Coleman sleeping bags and he had his cots and he had his fishing poles, and he had all these different things. We pulled a boat behind that 66 Chevrolet Impala uh, down to the lake, and I mean, before we left, we were preparing for a good camping trip. We had everything we needed right there. I mean, he would, he would lay everything out, and we would pack that in the car, and uh, we'd get in the car, and we'd take off. And... Um, we get down to the lake. I remember the exact place. I don't even know if you can get down to it now, but at Table Rock Lake, it was in the early, early 60s. And uh, I remember it was a place that when they flooded that area and put the, the dam, Table Rock Dam in, it just flooded that whole area. There was a few foundations of houses that used to be there. But we camped right there on that, close to that spot. And we would fish. And some people would come out and they would fish uh, in that in the lake, and uh, they would fish for carp, catfish. Uh, they'd they'd hang their they'd go out and get a twig that had a fork in it, and they would drive it in the ground. They didn't have this fancy stuff you get at Bass Pro Shop now. They just had an old stick, and they would get a big stick, drive it down the ground, throw their. It was a big old ball of. There was one lady that would catch. Uh, she would catch all these ca uh, carp. I mean, she would catch them. Uh, when people weren't catching them, and someone asked her what she was using, she said she was using cornflakes that had a certain mixture to it. She made it into a ball that held together, and she'd put on a treble hook and throw it out with a big sinker. She would lay that thing down. She had like three or four uh, fishing poles there, and uh, she would sit back in her lawn chair and just watch them. And all of a sudden, the end of those rods would just go start going down, and then she'd pick it up. She'd have a fish on it. Now they use uh, fancy metal rods and they got bells they hang on it when it starts ringing you know it goes off and they got all these fancy stuff and, but back then it was just kind of primitive stuff but I remember my dad when we go camping we would or, or if we went on a trip uh, there were a few locations we we drove clear out to California and uh, went up and down the coast and uh, went to Salt Lake City we always heard that Salt Lake City you could float on the salt lake and we tried it I didn't float very good I sank down I don't know what the problem was but I will say that in the Dead Sea you do float you absolutely float you don't have to have any kind of uh, uh, flotation device you will float and matter of fact you will float so much that you can't even get your feet down on the on the bottom to get yourself back up 
So I had to paddle myself back up to the shore. And uh, my, uh, uh, I was wearing some uh, uh, long um, sweatpants, and they were lightweight sweatpants. And, and I finally got up to the shore, and I put my feet down, finally got myself up, and I was... And I, I had the ends of those uh, sweatpants zipped all the way down, and I was walking like I had elephant legs with that. But I'm telling you, you would float there. It was amazing. But we made some trips. My dad would always put things together. He was always prepared. Always had everything right. My mom, she, she had a lot of things prepared too. But one of the things about her preparation was like to check the stove about 15 times before we walked out the door because she always thought it was still on for some unknown reason. When then we get in the car and we have the doors locked and we would get ready to pull out and my mom would say to my dad, can you run in here and check the stove again? And uh, she was always prepared. So my parents were always prepared for something. You know, we prepare everything for life. Vacations, we, we prepare for weddings, we prepare for... Um, you know, to get a job. We put ourselves in different positions to get a job. We, we, we prepare for retirement. We prepare for our education. We prepare to go to sleep at night, to get in bed. We prepare to get up in the morning. But there's some things in life that we need to prepare that are so of most importance, and that is the most important thing that we need to prepare for that a lot of times is neglected is our eternity. That is most important because we're talking forever. We're talking forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I could go on forever saying forever because that's how long it is. It just keeps going on and on and on. We need to be prepared for eternity. So we need to prepare our lives to be able to live for God, walk with God, and to Take living for God seriously. Because it is very serious. We must, whatever it takes, I'm telling you, whatever it takes to get to heaven, you need to do it. But whatever it takes, whatever it takes for eternity, to be with God. And that's the most important thing. When you really... Get prepared to live for God. It's not just about, okay, I just don't want to go to hell. I just want to make it to That's not what it's all about. When you really get prepared and you build a relationship in God, it's not about all of the not going to hell and wanting to go to heaven. It's about, I want to be with God. I want to rejoice with Him. I want to be with Him. I want to worship Him. It's, it's about a love relationship. That's where we need to get to. Preparing our lives for living for God. You see it everything, and we've talked about a lot of this, about um, our life as, as preparing our life so that we can live right for God. And I talked a little bit about this last week, but worship isn't a part, shouldn't be just a part of your life. Worship to God shouldn't just be a part of your life. It should be your life. Hear me? Worship unto the Lord. We are all created to worship something. Well, we were created to worship God. But every human being has this 
innate nature to worship something. And that nature is to worship the Creator, to worship God. And that's the way God has created us, to worship Him. But worship isn't just a part of our life. It needs to be our life. Worship is not just in the house of God. I mentioned that last week. And it's not just with music. And thank the Lord for our worship and songs. And thank you, Sister Janae and all those, the praise team. That I mean, we, we, we enter into the presence of the Lord. We worship God and the presence of the Lord moves in a beautiful way. And, and we're just worshiping Him, thanking Him, uh, even in, in, in song and in Scripture. And uh, it becomes a part of our life. And it's not just here. It's when we walk out the door of this church building, we are worshiping God by living for Him. We talked about that a little bit last week, but you can't survive life without a deep dedication to God. Some take God as a take-it-or-leave-it proposition. You're going to miss out on eternity with God. If that's the way you view God and His Word and His church. Take it or leave it for church. A lot of people don't understand church. More than just walking into a building and fellowshipping with friends and family and, and uh, just hearing a message and going home. It's about dedicating our life to the Lord. It's about connecting with his word and following his commandments, fighting against sin, overcoming sin. But worship goes beyond the doors of this church. It goes out into our homes. It goes on to our job. It goes everywhere we go. There is through dedication to the Lord to worship God in our lifestyle. The things we say, we're considering that we want to please Him as a part of worship. Speaking the right things, not ungodly, evil things. And uh, the places we go is worship unto God. I don't want to just please the Lord. Uh, I, I remember times, and I, I've mentioned this before, but I, I remember times that my parents weren't even around and I had opportunities to make choices that I, you know, I knew that they would not be appreciative of. But in the back of my heart, my mind, my soul, I chose not to do that. I, I wanted to make sure that I was pleased. And that's what we need to do to God. We, we need to be pleasing to Him. We do know that He knows everything that goes on in life. He knows what we're thinking right now. He knows what we're thinking about doing the next week. He knows the plans of our life. He knows the motive of our life. He knows everything about us. When we commit ourselves into the hands of the Lord, it's a worship every day times on the job that I pray. Now, I don't get down on my knees and pray at a, at a job site that I'm working on. I might not, but there's been times I've prayed for customers before. 
But um, I pray as I'm working. I worship as I'm working. I talk to the Lord. I even ask the Lord, help me to fix this <laughs> many times. Like students at school pray over a test, help me to get a good grade. Or how many women here have prayed in the supermarket, help me to get a good deal. I know there's a lot of hands that could go up here. I mean, we're, we're constantly praying, but, you know, there's times that we just need to stop and say, Lord, I thank you for your love to me and your grace and mercy and your kindness and your help and your strength. Do you realize that there, the Lord has placed ministering angels around your life? Every day you've got a ministering angel there with you that's helping you to strengthen you and guide you in your life. Thank God for that. Worship the Lord. There's times that a song might come to you. Sing it unto the Lord. Amen. Every day is a time of worship unto the Lord. But just making the right decisions that's going to please God is worship unto God. Walk in the right way. Live in the right way. Amen. A lot of ways we can worship and praise the Lord. In the book of Psalms, chapter 105 uh, verse 4, it says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. It's about a lifestyle of worship. It doesn't just only happen in church. But it says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. book of Psalms, chapter 113, and verse 3 says, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is praised. He is worthy to be praised. No matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're thinking at the time, no matter what situation we're in, he's still worthy to be praised. If we walk into the house of God or we're at our house or we're on the job and we don't feel physically like worshiping God, that doesn't mean God does not deserve worship. He deserves worship from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. He deserves worship at all times. All times. In the Bible, God's people worshiped at all times. Bible, they worshipped him at work. In the Bible, they worshipped him at home. They worshipped him in battle. They even worshipped him in jail. When's the last time you worshipped God in jail? If you ever get the opportunity, you might try it sometime. Paul and Silas had a great experience. They even worshipped the Lord in jail. The Lord for that. And guess what happened? The foundation of that jail started shaking and moving and the chains fell off and the, and the doors opened up. Freedom came. Some great things can happen in bondage when we worship and praise God. It's a lifestyle. Lifestyle of worship. When you get up in the morning, when you go to sleep at night, give thanks unto the Lord. Amen. The book of Psalms 34 says... It says, a psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. 
It says here in the scripture, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's a dedication to the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. You know what that means? It means only when you're at church. Doesn't it? Doesn't mean that. At all times when you're at church. We know that to be true. At all times means, very simply, I know this profound, all times. It means all times. It means when I'm going through a battle of life. It means when I'm going through a struggle of life. It means when I'm at the lowest point and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and, and I'm in a, a dark place or depression. It, it means praise the Lord or bless the Lord at all times. And David said... His praise, notice here it says his praise. It doesn't say David's praise. It said his praise. What he's saying is God's praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because God's praise is a continual thing. It always needs to be in our mouth. Speak it out of our mouth. Worship God. That's the reason why Pentecostals, uh, we, we worship and we praise God. It's hard to contain it. It's like fire shoving our bones. We, we just can't hold it in. We've we got to get it out. We've got we to gotta speak it out. We've got to praise the Lord with our voice. Amen. Uh, David was one of the, one of the most uh, great worshipers of all time. You know, he, he, he knew how to, he played and wrote psalms on the mountains looking over the sheep and he had a harp and he played these songs and worshiped God uh, in a midnight hour or during the day, at different times during the day. He continually had a praise in his mouth. You know why? He continually had a praise in his mouth and that was at the regulation of David. He chose to have that praise, the Lord's praise continually be in his mouth because he he knew what God had, did, had done for him, how he had brought him through, how he helped him at the time that he slew, a, what was it, a bear and a lion, uh, the times that he was in battle and it seemed like everything was lost and God came down and took care of him. The times that he came up into battle were uh, at Ziglag. They had taken everything, taken their family, taken everything, and the men were actually come up against David and, and David just stopped and said, uh, Lord, what shall we do? Shall we pursue? Shall we not pursue? He asked God, and God took him through that. And they, the Bible says, and he even made a prophetic word that I'm, we're going to regain everything. Praise God for that. Because God came through. He always does come through. He had a praise continually in his mouth because he had had too many testimonies to say otherwise. His God was with him. I, we could stop here tonight and we can have a testimony service of everything that God has done for each and every one of us. And we have enough praise in our mouth to give thanks unto the Lord continually. Still not get finished with it because of the things God has done. And we could even praise the Lord for the things that we don't even know of. There are things that we don't even know that God has done for us. But it just fell into place and we thought it was just by chance it happened. No, 
God takes care of his children. So David chose to have God's praise continually in his mouth. He made that choice because the Lord deserved that praise continually. The lifestyle of praise, not just in the house of the Lord. We, we know we, we, we should be worshiping God in the house of the Lord when we're lifting our hands and singing songs unto the Lord and this and that. But when we're out in life, it needs to let it become a continual thing in our mouth. I'll tell you what it's going to do for us. It's going to bless not only God, but it's going to bless you and me. And times I've had a Holy Ghost outpouring. I've said it before in my in my truck, my service truck. Holy Ghost came down and had a powerful move of God in my service truck. Felt the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues. I'm talking about feeling good on the job. Felt a lifting and a peace in my heart. Amen. It was a beautiful thing. It doesn't just have to be in the house of God. It could be everywhere we go because God deserves praise continually. Amen. Colossians 3 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. When you do things in life, do it as unto the Lord. When you're helping someone else along the way in life that is down and needs help, do it as unto the Lord. It will enhance how you minister to other people because you're actually doing it unto the Lord. And unto the Lord, because that's God's desire. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, not half-hearted, but heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. And this really is the secret of a lifestyle of worship. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, when you fall in love, fall in love with your sweetheart, she is all you can think about. Also applies to God. When you fall in love with the Lord, off your mind, can't get him out of your heart, can't get him out of your thoughts. He becomes part of your life, a lifestyle of worship and praise unto the Lord. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I know it's, it's scriptural here, but one thing about it is if we, in, in this present climate of world we're living in, if we don't give everything to God, we're going to fail. We're going to slip and we're going to fall backward and we're going to fail. It's important for us to give everything to God. doesn't mean you can't have fun and enjoy life. Hey, children of God that walk with God have a great time. We have a wonderful time in the Lord. We have joy. We have peace. We have happiness. We, uh, you know, Christians still go fishing. Amen. Christians still ride boats. Thank the Lord for that. On Table Rock Lake. 
too. Praise God. That's one of the most beautiful lakes in the world. I think, anyway. Um, children of God even sew blankets and quilts and have fun doing it. Don't you, Sister Lonnie? Don't you have fun doing it? Amen. Well, okay. Just a little setback, but you'll be back to it again. Um, I mean, children of God even have fun finding deals online, Sister Jen, is that right? The deal maker. Likes coupons too, I think, don't you? Hey, and she has fun with that. Now, that's not my cup of tea, but hey, if you can save money, that's my cup of tea. My wife comes in and says, I so, I've saved you hundreds of dollars. I bought 10 dresses and saved you $100. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> we have fun. Fun in life. Fun living for God. It's a joy to live for God. There's a lot of things in life you can have fun with. Amen. You could still live for God and go hunting. You could still love for, live for God and go four-wheeling. have fun and, and, and live life. Play with the grandkids. Have a good time. Amen. Life is good. Life is good. But it's so very important for us to put God first in all things. Consider the Lord. Fall in love with Jesus because in this present climate of the world we're living in, if we don't totally fall in love with Jesus, we're going to fail somewhere along the line walk away from God. As your pastor, I'm, I'm here to tell you that I want to help lead you closer to God. Fall in love with Jesus. You know why? Because He's in love with you. Fall in love with Him. Amen. I know I'm not going to get through all this. I'm going to have to close this out. But I want to give you a scripture that I would like for you to read. About three scriptures and we will talk about this next week I'd like for you to think about it because we're going to get your thoughts on these found in the book of 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, 15 and 16 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, 15 and 16 Um, now, as you read these, I want you to think about this. Now, the first verse in verse 14, we read this a lot. This verse we read a whole lot because we've preached on it, we've taught on it, and there's a lot of times we've taken this scripture and used it. Powerful scripture, I think. But sometimes we neglect to even read the next two verses, and they're very important. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now, we've heard that. How many, how many have heard that scripture? Raise your hand. I mean, we've heard it. We've talked it. We've spoke it. We've read it. You know, powerful, powerful scripture. So true. But have you really stopped and thought about the next two scriptures? Because it's talking about the house of God. They were... They were dedicating the house of the Lord to, to the Lord. This is what the Lord said, too, to them. 
very important. Verse 15, 16. Now, mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Powerful two verses there. that I want you to read and I want you to just kind of study and we're going to talk about this next week. But in considering the love of God for us, that we need to fall in love with the Lord and considering His love for us, I believe these two scriptures really sum it up concerning God's church and His people. How much He loves us. And how great and blessed we are to have the church of the living God. This house that God has given us. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, 15, and 16. Bible scholars, I want you to read that and I want you to study it. We'll talk about that next week. Amen. I'd like for us to stand here tonight. Talking about worship and the lifestyle of worship in our lives as Christians. I want us to just lift our hands and our voice to the Lord. I want us to give God praise here tonight for what he's doing in our lives. Let's thank him. We are blessed. Lord Jesus, we are blessed in you. We are thankful, God, for the blessings that you have poured out upon us.